Open your Bible to Mark 11. I know that you have never turned your Bibles to Mark 11 in this church before. Amen. I have a question for you. How many of you would like to see a lot more of God in your church? I do. I don't want to keep going back into the way this church was. That's not fair to you, and we don't need to look back because we need to press forward. Many of the people that went to this church when we were over in the shopping center will will attest, we had stronger Holy Ghost meetings in this church than anywhere in America. I'm going to say this with all the grace and humility. We had greater Holy Ghost meetings than I've ever seen in a Rodney Howard Brown meeting in my life. I mean, I've seen God do things in this church that were just unprecedented. They were wild. We've actually seen people not only stuck on the floor, but stuck up on the wall. We've seen, we, we had a time in this church where all the women that were barren got pregnant. Everybody. I mean, I mean, women were, I mean, I'm talking about 40-year-old women were getting pregnant. And the power of God was so strong. But you know what? For a while, we didn't see a lot of God. I, I didn't understand it. But the Lord has been dealing with me lately to teach you how to get God to come to your church. He doesn't go everywhere. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Are y'all aware that God does not go to everybody's church? Just because there's a sign outside doesn't mean that he's there. So he took me back to something, and I'm gonna, the title is kind of boring, Have Faith in God, or What is Faith in God? But I think it's the key because I saw something in Mark eleven twenty three that I never saw before. Now, when you, when you see a Ramagrad that sees something new in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, that's awesome. Come on, that's crazy. Let's read right now. Well, let's pray. Father God, right now, I'm going to open up the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to help me to convey this in a way that we will hear it and understand it and walk in the light of it. The world needs to see Jesus, and they need to see Jesus in your church. Father God, you said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. This is your church. This is your idea. And sir, having church, if you don't show up, it's nothing but a country club. And we don't want a country club. We want a real honest-to-God church where with signs and wonders and miracles in it, And we're asking you to do it here in this place in Jesus' name. Mark 11, 22. And Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. For surely I say to you that whoever says this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe what he says, believe the things he says will be done, he'll have what he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've preached on this scripture. Until the Holy Ghost took me back to that scripture, he says, what does it mean, have faith in God? I've always read it this way. When you have faith that God still heals, have faith that God still blesses, have faith that God still does the things. And I've always believed that, so I've always started this off by putting my faith in the promises of God. But the other day, he made a statement to me. He says, that's not really what that means. I said, okay, what does it mean? He said, faith, you could use the word faith. Instead of saying faith, use the word trust. How about the word obey? 
How about the word submit? Obey God. Now listen to this statement. Jesus said, obey God and then you'll be able to say to a mountain. Now, we need to get into the fact that faith in God and obedience to God are synonymous. If there is no obedience, there is no faith. Now, that's a powerful statement because people are always looking at me going, Pastor, I don't have enough faith to believe that. Well, open the Bible and obey it. You know, when we're talking about finances, let me tell you how to get your finances to increase. Obey Luke 6.38. What does it say? Given, it'll be given. If you're given 10, give 20. Because God is, God is dependent on what you're doing so he, can, so he can bless you. If you don't do what he says, he can't do anything for you. So, so you can't get saved unless you receive Jesus, unless you believe it. But there's an action to that. So a life of faith is faith in God. If you don't have a life of faith or a life of obedience, you're really not a Christian. Can I prove it to you? When Lisa and I got married, thank God we got married, I waited a long time for this girl. I wined her and dined her and everything. But the day she said I do, we didn't go back home to her mama. Now, wouldn't it be odd if you know that Lisa's my wife, that we're in covenant, and you never see her? I'm going to go, let's get honest. Would you, would you think that would be odd? All right, let's get odder. Lisa calls me up on the phone. Hey, honey, I need money. Where are you, baby? I'm in Vegas. What do you need money for? Well, I lost it all in a slot machine and I'm broke and hungry. Send money. You know what I'm going to say? No, I ain't sending you any money. Yeah, but you're my husband. Right, and you're my wife. Come home. Do I have the right? That's lame. Do it again. Do I have the right? You better believe I have the right. Let me ask you a question. Are you the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ? Does he have a right where you go and what you do? You better believe he's got a right in where you go and what you do. If there is no obedience, there is no marriage. There is no faith. And that's not just one-sided. I don't sit around in the office and, and, and expect Lisa's cooking dinner and I arrive at home when I want to. She's got every right in the world. Where are you? None of your business. I don't think so. Folks, that's not bondage. That's love. That's, I'm not, there's no bondage in this. I'm not bound to her. I mean, I love her. I would love her no matter what. And we are married legally, but there are something that I am requiring. I, I married her to be my wife. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to have a relationship with you. And he would like to have one. 
He has every right in the world on what you're doing and where you're going. So faith is nothing more than obedience to his word. That's powerful, guys. In the book of Ephesians, and don't go over there. You know, it's telling the story, husbands love your wives, wives love your husband. And he said he wrote that. That was not put in the Bible so the pastors would have something during a marriage ceremony. That was put in there. Paul wrote that so you would understand how your relationship with God is supposed to look. It's supposed to look just like your marriage. Yeah. But he said at the end, I'm speaking of Christ and the church. So let me talk to you now for a minute in the book of Genesis. Let's mentally go back over there. What happened in the garden? You know, a lot of people think that Adam and Eve ate an apple and God got mad and kicked them out of the garden. That's not true. God told them, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat it. Now, I'm going to blow your mind right now. It might not have been a fruit tree at all. Who told you it was a fruit tree? Might have been, might not have been. Have you ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Is that a tree? No. Have you ever heard of the tree of life? It was in the garden. What is it? It was Jesus. Come on, guys. I know it's symbolic and it may have been a fruit tree. So for all of you people that are fruity, it's a fruit tree. But the, but the tree is not the issue. The, the tree is not the issue. When Satan came down and tempted Adam, this is what he said to him. Did God say? Right. Folks, listen, that's one of the most important things you'll ever hear in your life. What should Adam have said? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but what about the tree? Looks good? Yeah. Make you wise? Yeah. Eat it. Uh-uh. Why not? It's not your tree. Let me tell you something. I have one wife. She looks a lot like other women. Got the same hair, same eyes. I might look today and go, oh, that woman over there is cute. Uh Uh-uh. I'll come over here. (laughs) It don't matter whether someone is cuter. Matter of fact, I'll just tell you the way to keep from sin. Marry the prettiest girl in Florida, and you don't have to worry about it. But since I got her, leave her alone. All right. So what, did, what, what was Adam after? All Adam, all Adam had to do, what was the devil after? All Adam had to do was, yes, that's what God said. You know, now I'm going to say something to you right now, and I, and I, and I, I don't want to make you mad, but I might. So hold on to your seat. Some of you people come to me and you say, and I, and I warn you, don't come to me for counseling. And I tell you all the time, I never use our counseling during a sermon, but I am going to now. I'm going to warn you. All of you people who've said to me, I don't like to read my Bible. And I'm going to tell you, everybody that comes for counseling says it. I'm going to say something to you and I'm going to make you mad. It's a lie. It's not reading the Bible that bothers you. It's doing it. Don't shout me down. Nobody ever said you had to read the whole book in a week. If you just started with a Sermon on the Mount. 
you'd be doing real good. The, the Bible was not written for you to understand it. It was written for you to obey it. Now, I'm going to tell you something raising children, okay? Are you all ready? When you tell your kids to do something, and they say, but I don't want to, I don't understand, or they say, why? That is the beginning of rebellion. Now, I don't like to talk about the boys or the girls. We never ever spanked our kids for making mistakes. But I whooped the fire out of them for rebellion. I am not one of these dads that says one, two, three. Son, you don't have to three. You don't have to one. Now, I'm going to say this. We raised good boys. Because we didn't allow it. They never said why. They might have once, but they never said it again. And I took them in the bedroom and showed them why. I said so. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's what's wrong with the kids today. You say, I'd be beating mine all the time. No, if you whip them right, you won't whip them much. If you, didn't, if you whoop them again tomorrow, you didn't do it right. That memory needs to stay with them a long time. I have changed their walk with God. <laughs> when God said don't, what he really meant was don't. And it was for Adam's good, wasn't it? All right, but the devil came down. Here's what happened in the garden. I ain't under nobody. He left heaven. Who was over the devil? Nobody. God kicked him out, but he had no head. Adam was under God until the garden. And he stepped out from under God and he died. Here's what Christianity is, coming back under authority. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and He is my fortress. He is my God in whom I trust. What is David saying? Actually, Psalm 91 was written by Moses. I'm sorry. What was he actually talking about? I'm under God. When you're under authority, go to Matthew 8. I'm going to show you something in the Bible. Is this okay? Yeah. It is anyway, but just say it's okay. <laughs> and we'll jump over to Hebrews 11 in a minute. I'm jumping around this time. Matthew 8. I'm going I'm to answer questions for you if you'll let me. Because America today is in a mess. And I'm preaching this because... Right now in the world, you step outside the church, they have no standard. Why do you think we have a problem with men sleeping with men? Because they never stopped it when they were sleeping around and weren't married. Hollywood is not the standard, guys. That's not a form of art. 
And yet, yet we, we started allowing sex outside of marriage and the church kept quiet about it and we stopped having, the world has, the standard is they are God. That's Satan's standard. That was Adam's standard. But when you get born again, that's not supposed to be yours. You and I are supposed to live by a standard that someone handed us. It's called the Bible or the Word of God. When you get that, when you say, I'm under God, you're underneath the Word of God. So you don't have to worry about what to do today. When you want to know how to raise your kids, read it. Want to know how to do marriage? Read it. Want to know whether you should be married? Read it. You don't do it well, then get married. Yeah, but, no, but. If you're, listen, if you're not obeying, you're not, you're not even, you're not even a Christian. Now, I realize there's Christians that are stubborn and rebellious. I understand that. I've seen a few. But your days of doing that are over because eventually you're going to reap what you sow and you're not going to like it. God is not up there pushing and pulling the buttons for you. Adam and Eve did not like what happened after that, but they didn't. God didn't do that. They did it. If you're going to keep staying out from under God, you're wide open to the devil, and he's going to eat your lunch. Now, I'm saying all this because of this. Listen to me. You want a church where God comes? He's not coming where he's not revered. If we don't revere him and the word, he's not coming to your church. You can sing and shout and jump all you want to. He's still not coming. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. (laughs) Matthew 8 starts with verse 5. And Jesus entered Capernaum. A centurion came and pled with him and said, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. This is why I want to go, Edward, because I want to know how far he walked to get to that guy's house. I think he walked 20 miles. But anyway, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy you should come under my roof, but speak a word and my servant will be healed. How is it that Jesus could speak to sickness and it would stop? Listen to what he said. Go to the next one. Go to nine. I am a man, what? Under authority. authority. I have soldiers under me, I say. He's connecting his authority that people will do what he says because he's under somebody that will back him up. So he says, I recognize that you might be a Jewish rabbi, but if you've been talking to blind eyes and they've been opening, and you've been talking to dead people and they're getting up, you're under somebody bigger than you. He said, all you need to do, all you need to do is speak the word. My servant will be healed because I recognize authority. And Jesus said, I haven't seen such great faith, not in Israel. Jesus called obedience to authority faith. Didn't he? We've got the church today, don't get mad at me, that are Sunday morning Christians only. You know, we used to have Sunday night church. You know why we quit? Nobody came. 
Sunday morning's getting about half that bad now. We're in a battle with Disney World and the beach and your relatives. Boy, don't shout me down. I'll stop right there. That's as far as I want to make you uncomfortable for one day. But this day is holy. Come on, y'all. There was a time people, people walked into church and came on time and revered God. And we went home and people opened up their Bible. And I mean, the, I mean business is closed. And people didn't even go to work. I remember the, those, those days. We call them the good old days. I wonder why. I wonder how America became the greatest nation on the earth. I wonder why we're losing it. Folks, the world's not under anybody. And the church thinks you can do the same. You cannot. I want you to understand that. That's a powerful statement. When I got born again, you've heard me tell the story. And I walked in my bedroom that night and rolled a joint to celebrate being saved. I didn't know any better. And I'm in the room and the Lord says, oh, you don't need that. Now, you understand when people start talking to you and you can't see anybody, this is good dope. <laughs> you know how much you could sell this for? I can get a hold of God with this stuff. They always told me. You hear from God and by God, this is good stuff. Anyway, it wasn't the dope. So I looked around the room and I said, real stupid, I said, who said that to me? I mean, somebody said something to me in my bedroom, and there's nobody in here. I said, who said that? He said, it's me, Jesus. I said, well, where are you? Because I don't see you. He said, I'm inside you. Stupid me. I said, what are you doing in there? <laughs> I only knew John 3.16. I didn't know nothing else. That's all I knew was John 3.16. He said, well, you asked me in, and I went, I did. I didn't actually think he'd do it. I didn't know that he really, really did that. I thought I was just a sinner that had gotten forgiven, and hopefully I don't screw up before next week. You know, that's kind of what I thought a Christian was. And so he said to me, you don't need that. Put it away. He said, then he said, listen to me. I mean, I hadn't been saved six months, two years, 10 years, 20 years. I'm talking the, day, the first day. Put the Playboys in the, in the dump. Put the beer in the dump. Take the dope to the dump. Take the rock music to the dump today. Amen. Get your Bible. I got something for you to do. I didn't go through rehab. You know that you're doing today what you want to do. You're as close to God as you want to be. Did you know that all that I'm talking about is a choice? You do not have to grow up as a teenager and hit adulthood and sow your wild oats. Did you know you can marry and be a virgin and marry a virgin? It's almost unheard of now. Well, you got to check her out. Well, let me tell you something. You check out her Christianity, the rest of it will come in line. And how well do you think she's going to know sex if she ain't had sex? How can she be a pro? Maybe you should train her. Oh, my God. What kind of church is this?
And if you're having trouble, come see me and Lisa. We'll help you through it all. <laughs> well, before you guys get married, I talk to the guys. She talks to the girls. And we, we talk to you about the wedding night. Now, I knew right then they ain't coming. They ain't coming at all. And you need to know something other than Playboy and Facebook, guys. Marriage is holy and sex is fun. But when you get one, you don't need two. Take my word for it. You don't need a second one. One is enough for any man. And if you can handle two, you a better man than me. That's not in my notes, but I knew you guys were enjoying this. Are you boys okay over there? All right. Some, some parent said to me one day, says, you don't need to do that in church. I said, do your kids go to public school? I said, they already know all this. You don't pull the wool over no kid now. Are you serious? You know, there needs to be dads talking to boys, having some good conversations. And when they get older and the testosterone flows, you better talk. Because they're going to think they're a heathen when they get that, when that stuff flows. What am I going to do, Dad? I said, well, you're going you're to mind your manners and pray in the Holy Ghost and get married. Never mind. <laughs> and none of that's in my notes, but now you know what I can do when I have more time, Huey. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This nation needs to understand this because right now the kids are out of control. The nation's out of control. And if the church doesn't set a standard, then there's not going to be one. We need to set the standard. And I'll tell you this. When I got married to Lisa, she was a virgin. We made up our mind before we dated that she would be a virgin when we got married. You can do it. Take cold showers, but you can do it. <laughs> And we built a relationship, and we built a friendship first. And that friendship's still going on today. Amen. And we're leaving for our anniversary Monday morning. And if you call me, I will not answer my phone. I don't know where pastor is. I'm not here. We're going where our phones don't work. Amen. So, go with me to Hebrews 11. Are y'all okay? I'm, I'm doing this because I'm beginning, you know what? I have such a peace about this sermon. And I went to the Lord and I said, you know, this is strong. He says, I know, but you've got to preach this. Because if we don't, all of us in this room, and including me, I'm, I'm going to tell you I deal with my humanity too. I deal with my flesh. I deal with, with wanting to just, ah. Come on, y'all. Paul said, I keep my body under lest after I've preached to others I would be disqualified. The longer you walk with God, it seems like the more difficult it is to walk with God because you know so much. 
It is so hard to stay on fire for God after you've been saved for 20 or 30 or 40 years because you know so much. You can fake it. Then you start thinking you know it all. Don't need to read and pray. Don't need to walk with God. Yeah, you do. All right. Let's read this because I want you to see something about faith. Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why? Because God had already showed Adam and Eve what I require out of you is blood. So Abel came and brought the, the, the lamb and Cain brought an apple or a squash. And God said, I ain't taking squash today. Trade the squash for a lamb. You know what I've required. And he said, no. I said this because listen to me. All he's asking you to do is do what he said. It's not, it's not about your opinion. Now let's talk about God's brains for a minute. Let, let's just talk about how smart this guy is. I'm, listen, I'm going to say this because it's, it's amazing how many people I will say this is what the word says, and they said, yeah, but. No, there's no but in the this. And I'm going to prove it to you. If you had a peppercorn, does you know what a peppercorn is? It's in your pepper shaker if you grind them. It's about that big. Itty bitty little black thing about that big. If you had a peppercorn, that's the earth. How, if you had a soccer ball, that would be the sun. How far would the soccer ball be from the peppercorn in, in dimensions of our universe, how far would it be from the peppercorn? Would the, would the soccer ball be? Take a wild guess. It'll probably be wrong, but take a guess. Be 25 yards away. That's the sun. The next star in our galaxy is how close? From here to Hawaii, that's pretty, that's pretty big. For, someone said 4,000 miles. That's absolutely correct. That's the second star. There are billions of stars and there are billions of galaxies. The, I, I, did, I, I forgot all the math. But it takes like four years to get from the closest star to, to earth. It takes 42 billion light years to get to the furthest. Now, God holds all of that in the span of his hand. How big is this guy? Is he big? Pretty big. And he's, and now, now listen, in every one inch of sky is one billion galaxies. Not a billion stars, one billions. So how many stars are out there? That's beyond your, and God can tell you the name of all of them. And you want to match wits with him? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Where did we get off? When he said it, that's it, Honey. Is that all right? Do y'all understand this? So we're picking up the Bible as though, 
Well, I don't know whether I agree with that or not. Well, let me tell you something, numb nut. It don't matter. It's true anyway. He never said understand it. He said do it. Come on, I'm, I'm doing real good. You're not smart enough to figure it out. Listen, when you talk to an atheist, don't explain anything. You don't even know enough to, I'm going to prove God. Yeah, will prove anything. They know because God showed them, Romans 1. They know right from wrong. Why would you need an atheist if there was no God? The fact that there's a God, by the fact there's an atheist proves there's a God. Because if you didn't have a God, you wouldn't need an atheist. So here we have this intelligent beyond your and my wildest dreams. He knows everybody's hairs, the number of everybody's hairs, how long you're going to live and the day you're going to die. He knew you before the earth was ever there. This is a pretty smart person. So when he says something, he would like for us to treat it like maybe he's right. (laughs) What I'm talking about is reverence. When we start revering the word of God, the word reveres you. When you do not revere it, it will not revere you. That's why people don't get their prayers answered. You're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm speaking over my child. Yeah, but are you doing what he told you to do? I'm praying, but are you doing what he told you to do? Now, that's why I love this guy right here. Because God said, go to Israel. Listen, it doesn't matter. I'm in Georgia. He says, go to Bible school. Listen, I just left and went. And I still, I didn't have any money. And I, I said, I don't have any money. He said, well, go anyway. The money came. Boy, I'm going to tell you, the faith life is awesome. Because once you're under authority, you don't have any problems anymore. I don't have to keep me alive. I don't live for me. I already died. I was crucified with Christ. I don't have a life of my own. So if I die, I die. But if you want me to keep preaching, keep me alive. That's called healing. But if you're going to go back to living for yourself, why would he show up and heal you anyway? I know it is, and I thank you. Let's keep going. Faith, by Enoch, faith was taken away that he did not see death. He was found because God took him away. For he was taken, he had a testimony, he pleased God. Without faith... It's impossible to please him. Without faith, without faith, God, he loves you, but he might not like you. We walk by faith and not by sight. That means we walk by the word of God and not by the way we think and not by the way we feel. Let me tell you something. There's not a married person in here right now that feels like they're in love with their spouse all the time. As a matter of fact, there are days when you don't feel like you heard from God at all. 
You probably question, did I, why did I even marry you? Hallelujah. And you younger people, let me tell you why God wants you to make a covenant before you have sex. Because he wants you to give your word to that person in front of God. Because after you get married, you're going to have tough days. And you're going to wish you could walk away. But your character is going to keep you there. You, if you won't, listen, if you fear man, you will not fear God. If you fear God, you will not fear man. I obey God because I fear it. I'm not afraid of him. But there's going to come a day, Crystal, when I'm going to give an answer for my life. That's why I'm still pastoring this church. Because I'd have left a long time ago. This thing has been hard. Living in Florida is hard. But there is a God and I'm not him. And there are days when I've done things for one reason. It's the right thing to do. That's called the fear of God. We've lost it in the church. We've lost a healthy reverence for God. There was a time people didn't shoot each other because they feared God. If there's no ramifications for wrong, you're going to do wrong. You people who are my, your kids, one, two. Why are you doing that? You're giving them to three to obey? Let me teach you a new word. No. Why? Bam. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell a story. My, my sister Nancy, who you saw, has a daughter named Chastity. Chastity was a wild kid. Nancy couldn't get her to mind. She brought Chastity over one day to hang out with my daughters. And Chastity popped Ashley in the head with a baseball bat. Because she'd always been able to pop people in the head with a baseball bat because Nancy never whipped her. I took her in the bedroom and I said, I'm going to tan your hide. She said, I will tell my mama. I said, and I'm going to tan your mama's hide when I get through tanning yours. And I turned her over my knee, and I tore it up. Now, I didn't do a patty, patty, patty. I mean, I tore it up. I used a real wooden paddle, about a one by four, about two feet long, and she knew it when I got done. I didn't abuse her. I controlled myself because I'm a Christian. But I made it shine. And I had her panties. I took her jeans down. I want her to feel this. So Nancy came back that night to pick up her daughter. When her daughter saw her mama, she starts screaming. Nancy walks in and starts fussing at Chastity. And I said, Chastity, hush. She said, yes, sir. Nancy said, how'd you get her to do that? I said, we need to have a talk. How do we get off all in this? Because somebody came up with a bright idea that God doesn't judge people anymore. What Bible are you reading? 
Because you didn't get it out of the New Testament. Will he be patient? Oh, he'll be patient. Will he work with you? He will work with you. But he ain't going to let it go on forever. You think I'm lying? He wrote it to a woman in the book of Revelation. He said, now you tell that woman, I have, I have given her space to repent. But it won't last for long. You tell her I'm coming to visit her and it's not going to be real good. Now that's the loving Lord Jesus Christ in a church. Oh, they'll shout me down. The church in America, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, I really think it's high time we came back underneath God and picked up our Bibles and started acting like it. The world wants to see Jesus, and they're not going to see Jesus unless they see him in you. And they're going to want to see God. I'm preaching better than you, amen, but that's all right. Go to the book of James, and I'll try my best to close with this. I think I've given you plenty for one day, haven't I? And all of you, yeah, my wife's the first one. Yeah, baby, I think so. Woo, sugar. I'm saying this because, listen, listen. I'm watching young people right now. When they, when they get old enough, they're leaving church. You know why? They've not seen enough of God and mom and dad to stay. You want your kids to live for God? They better see God at home. And they better see mama living for God and not a paycheck and, and not the world. You, this Sunday morning Christian stuff, it don't cut it. Your kids can spot a hypocrite a mile away and they know what you were made out of. They live with you. Jordan said something to me one day. It was a very honorable thing. He said, Mom and Dad, I thank God I was raised in your house. When your kids say that about you, you did something right. And then he made another statement. He said, why was I picked to live with you and not another family? Why was I honored? I said, don't ever forget it, Father's Day. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Big deal to raise your kids according to the word of God. Big deal to watch dad pray. Big deal to watch mama pray. Big deal to watch mom and dad go through difficult times and come back under the word and get right with each other and get their marriage back together. It's a big deal for kids to watch their moms and dads live for God. That's right. Amen. Book of James, we want to try to close because Lisa said so. James chapter 2 verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says, I have faith and I don't have works? Don't let that word throw you. That word in the Greek is corresponding actions. So let's read it that way and it'll make sense. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says, I've got faith and I don't have a corresponding action to match with it? Can my faith, say, can his faith save him? The answer to that is no, it cannot. If your faith, if I can't see it, you don't have any. If I cannot see Lisa's love for me, she doesn't have any. Ooh. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says, depart in peace, be warned and filled, and you don't give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus, 
if faith by itself does not have corresponding actions, it is dead. If someone says, you have faith and I have works, you show me your faith without your actions. I'll show you my faith by mine. Do you guys really believe that I'm a Christian? Is there any evidence of it? You better believe it. I was talking to a politician last night, sitting at the table with him. He said, I got a guy out there demo, uh, uh, demonstrating against me in front of this hotel. I said, praise God. He said, why would you say that? I said, because you've got to be doing something right if you've made somebody mad. I said, if you don't ever make anybody mad, you're not a very good politician. He said, I needed to hear that. <laughs> if, you don't have, if, if everybody likes you, you're not living right. Uh, As a matter of fact, I consider how well I'm doing by how many people I run out of here. <laughs> I've had people get up in the middle of service and leave. They look like they're going to the bathroom, but they never came back. <laughs> now, y'all know I don't do this every Sunday where I... I mean, I, I, believe in, I believe in preaching the goodness of God, the love of God, and victory. That's my favorite subject. That's why I had to have a lot of peace to preach this. And I prayed over and I said, Father God, and when I, the more I studied, the more peace came over me. I said, I'm going to follow the peace of God. Amen. And he said, I want you to do this. I said, yes, sir. All right, let's go on. You believe there's a God. You do well. Even the devil believes in God. Do you believe in God? I believe in God. Well, I believe in God. Yeah, but what are you doing? How am I doing, guys? All right. I realize that you and I can miss it. We're not, we're not perfect. We're human. We miss it. But you need to be aiming at the center of the bullseye. Do you understand what I said? I'm not talking about missing it on purpose and then saying, well, I just missed it. Oh, no, honey. No, that don't fly. The world has gotten very loose, and the church is getting looser. Christianity is becoming extremely loose. Don't you preach no legalism in me, baby. There's a lot of laws in the New Testament. There's the law of love, the law of faith. The commandments are commandments. There's two of them, and they're commandments. They're not suggestions. I got a lot of things I want to share, and I'm out of time. Now, I'd like to stay on this for a while, and I promise when I come back not to be so strong because some of y'all are looking at me like, help me, Jesus. All right. I've had the Lord get on to me for stuff. And he does it because he loves me. I've had him correct me, rebuke me, tell me to stop doing things, make adjustments in my life. He, if, he, if, if he didn't love me, he wouldn't do that. If he's leaving you alone, that's not good. If I leave you alone, I don't love you. If I was after your tithe, I wouldn't preach this message. Come on. 
I want to see, we're singing a song, we'll see it again. We're going to. And I'm going to be a part of the last day move of God on this planet. And we're going to start seeing a lot more of the presence of God in this church. But in order for it to happen, I'm going to tell one more story because I'm out of time, but it's okay. I'm the pastor. Back when I was at Tom Copeland's church, I was the youth pastor, and Tom would let me do the announcements. That's why for a long time I didn't let Josh Brown do announcements because I know what youth pastors are like. But Josh has never taken over the service. I took over Tom's a few times. One day I'm in the church service, and the Holy Ghost came on me strong. It was like a, do y'all know what a navy pea coat is? Big wool coat. That's what the anointing feels like, but it's soaked. If you soak it in water, that's what it feels like when it comes on your body. It's very heavy. And he says, I've come to heal the people. And, and as I was doing it, the people were talking the worship service was going on. They weren't paying attention. They weren't worshiping God. They're goofing off people coming in late. No reverence for God. And the Holy Ghost left. Left me. And he said this to me. You tell them to repent and I'll come back. And I got up and preached a little hellfire message. And the Holy Ghost came back and healed everybody in the building. We need services like that. Are there any sick among you? There should not be. Not a sick person in this room. Where's God? It might not be God. I think this is a good church. I think this is the best one in the city. But since you're just a great six, let's kick it up. Y'all out there? I'm serious. I think it's time that we start, set, start setting a standard in this nation. The world can go to hell if they want to. But I think on the way to heaven, I think we ought to start acting like the Bible's true. Is that fair? How many of y'all are ready to commit with this? Start reading your Bible to do it. Draw near to God. I'm not talking about be perfect. But I'm talking about having a perfect heart. When your heart gets perfect, God treats you like you are perfect. Even though everything isn't right. And that's what I'm talking about. You ready to pray? You are? Let's go. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I took the message that you, you said it to me the other day when you asked me the question, did I understand what that meant? I begin to realize that having faith in God is, is really obeying God. It's really submitting to you and being underneath your authority. Father, the easiest thing in the world as a Christian is for us to start watching the way the world does it. And we become lax, we become lukewarm. And that's a dangerous place because we know there's a fire there, we know there's heat there. And we know we love you and we know we're born again. But we're not where we need to be. Father, we read the Bible and we see how Samson defeated the Philistines until he lost his consecration. And it wasn't until he got his consecration back that we see the power again. We read the book of Acts and we want to know where those days went. They're for us today. I believe with all of my heart that you're calling your church back in fellowship with yourself in these last days. I've put out a call today to this church. 
Father, I've asked you that nobody walks out of here feeling condemned. Convicted, yes, but not condemned. Father, I will admit in front of this church that there are times when I need to hear what I just preached. Because the easiest thing in the world is to get caught up in the world. But sir, without you we can do nothing. I refuse to live on this planet without walking in fellowship with you, without having everything you died to give us. I pray over this church that this place would become a place where the people can bring their sick family and be healed. They can bring their lost loved ones and be born again. It's a soul-saving station, a place of refuge, a place where in the city of Apopka they say, I don't know what, but if you go over to Word of Life Church, you can get free because I know that God is in that building. I want us to have a reputation for being men and women of God. And when they say you're from Word of Life, they say, oh, we know about you. You're one of those people. You better believe it. Father, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm certainly not ashamed of the Word. I'm asking you to take your blood and wash us this morning in your precious blood. Set us apart and cause us to come back if we've left a first love. Cause us to be reverent toward you and the Word of God. And if we're not there, Father God, today's a good day to start. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you. For- Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.